Thank you, Chief. The book, The Road Less Traveled, Dr. Scott Peck said a startling statement as he opened that book. He said, life is difficult. When you look at life, it is difficult. It is difficult mainly because you and I live in a world that is filled with a variety of people. And people are difficult. The Bible that you and I have spends a lot of time talking about two relationships. God spends much time talking to us about how to have a relationship with Him, so much so that He sent His Son to die for us, that you and I today could have fellowship with Him, that you and I today can call Him Father, that you and I can have friendship with the Father. But He also spends a lot of time talking about how you and I can get along with one another. For instance, take the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments start off with four commandments that are Godward. They, they deal with getting along with God, how to relate to Him. But then there's six commandments that talk about how to relate to people. The first of those six is honor your parents, get along with your parents. People are difficult. God has written much about how to get along with people because much is needed. And go back to the very beginning. Think about two boys, brothers, Cain and Abel. Over a disagreement, a misunderstanding, Cain becomes so upset with Abel that he kills him. In Genesis chapter 13, and if you have your Bibles, I invite you to go there because I, I want to spend a little time on a verse. Verse 7, you find Abraham and Lot. You find Abraham's hired men who are taking care of the livestock and Lot's men who are taking care of Lot's livestock. And they get into a fight. They get into a conflict. Genesis 13, 7 says, And there was strife. Notice that word. Strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Abraham and Lot's men get into a fight, an argument, a disagreement over space, over land. They're upset about who gets to use the watering wells. You stop and think about people in your life right now. Family members. Friends. People you work with. People you live with. People you go to class with. Every one of these people have the possibility today of making your life difficult. And you have the same possibility of making their lives difficult. We get on each other's nerves. There's no way of getting around it. We, we have the potential of irritating, aggravating one another. I grew up in a home with three younger sisters. I know about irritating and agitating. I know how to get under my sister's skin. 
They knew how to get under mine. We would constantly go at each other. I'm now a father of four. There are phrases now I hear in my home that was said in the home I grew up in. My two daughters have a tendency to get on each other's nerves. My two boys pick on each other. And then the boys pick on the girls. The girls pick on the boys. And we'll hear a phrase, just leave me alone. My sister said that many times over. Because I love to aggravate them. You have people in your life that love to agitate you. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. I came to Liberty. I get on this campus. I'd never been to Liberty before. I came on this campus and I got a room assignment. My room assignment was dorm 18. Where's dorm 18? Still the best dorm on campus. I get a room assignment, room 8. I move into... I go up to room, dorm 18. I'm thinking that I'm going to be able to move into a room and it's going to be nice and cozy and, and this is going to be my room. And I open the door and there are three people in the room. And I want to know why they're in my room. I'm thinking, okay, I'll have a roommate. So who are the two visitors? And then I begin to realize that I didn't have a roommate. I didn't have two roommates. I found out the horrible news that coming to Liberty University meant I was going to have three roommates. We were three very unique, different individuals from different parts of the United States, different ages, different majors. And I'm telling you, almost every day of my first semester at Liberty was a day filled with turmoil, a day filled with conflict. We found ourselves getting on each other's nerves. This morning, I want to take a few moments and talk with you about what I'm calling the, the strain of strife. I want you to think with me for a moment about how painful it is when you and I live in strife with one another. Some of you right now are living in strife with a family member. Some of you are having problems with mom and dad. You've got a, a dream, an idea, a vision of what you want to do, and they're over here with their dream, their idea, their vision for you. You're seeking to make a decision, and it's going against what they want, and it's creating tension. Some of you have strife with a friend. Something that started good has started to go bad simply because someone's not keeping up their part of the bargain. Uh, they may be sharing details about you with other people behind you back. And all of a sudden, what you thought was a good friend is now, wait a minute, one of my worst enemies. There's strife. Some of you do have problems with work. And you go to work today. And, and right now, just the thought of going to work has brought an unpleasant thought to you. Because it's not that the work bothers you. It's who you have to work with. Going there makes the, the work unpleasant. And some of you right now would have to say, like I had to say if, when I was a student, the worst place on campus for me was my room. I didn't want to go back to my dorm. I didn't want to go back to the I didn't want to go back to the strife. Solomon gives us a contrast about this aspect of strife and how painful strife is. He makes this statement in Proverbs 17, verse 1. He says, better is a dry piece of bread with quietness 
with peace than a house full of feasting with strife. Think about that verse for a moment. I'd rather have just a little, just able to get by and be able to go back to my room, be able to go to work and have peace than have this house full of food where I can enjoy all the time, but yet every time I walk in the house, it's a war zone. Some of you are living in strife this morning, and it's a very uncomfortable position. In Genesis 13, Abraham and Lot, they're, they're getting in a fight over land. Who are you having a fight with this morning? Who are you having a problem with this morning? It, is it a family member? Is it a friend? Is it a roommate? I was an RA for two years. Many times as an RA, I was called on to deal with roommate situations. One time I got called into room and I went in and I, I sat down and I said, all right, guys, what's the deal? Why are you two having such a hard time getting along? This guy had exploded on his roommate. He handed me a jar of peanut butter. Yep. The guy that was all upset pitched to me a jar of peanut butter. He said, I buy it and he eats it. Now, some of you are quickly relating with the message because you've had some problems in your room or in your apartment, some of you are off campus, where you bought the peanut butter, but the roommate thought you were buying it for him. And it's created a problem. Now, I thought that was a very insignificant reason for having a fight. But yet here's this young man who week in and week out had come back to his room to find his roommate eating his peanut butter. And it had become like a grain of sand, like a small pebble in his shoe. And it irritated him to the point where he finally became like a volcano and explode. I'm asking you this question. What are you right now irritated about? Who's bothering you? Family member? friend. There's the strain of strife. But I want to tell you this morning, there's something in contrast that you and I need to be going after. That's called the pleasure of peace. And there's a verse I want to put before your eyes this morning. It's Psalms 133 verse 1. In Psalms 133 verse 1, David writes these words. How blessed, how Wonderful. How pleasant is it for people to dwell together in unity? How wonderful. What a blessing it is when people are able to be at peace with one another. But that begs the question this morning how does that happen? How do you move from this aspect of strife, of conflict, of constantly being on each other's nerves, to that of having peace? How does that happen? 
I want to say to you this morning, it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by choice. Some of my motivation for this morning's message came from Jonathan Falwell on Wednesday as he, he made a transition for this semester. Jonathan said, last semester we, we looked at characteristics of champions, what they are. But he said, this semester we got to talk about not just the characteristic of a champion and what they are, but what they do. And he started challenging us by bringing that message on Wednesday to serve one another. And I started thinking, if we're going to truly be champions, we've got to live out biblical principles when it comes to getting along with one another. You and I have to make a decision to pursue peace. How do you pursue peace? How do we bring peace into a roommate situation, into a dorm, into a family, into a friendship, into a workplace? How do you have the peace? Let me share several principles this morning. I'm going to start off with this word. If there's going to be peace in a relationship, there has to be understanding. I put before you that word this morning, understanding. If you have your Bibles this morning, go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I'm uh, sorry, Philippians 2. And look at verse 4. In Philippians 2... Verse 4, Paul's going to say that you and I need to look not only out for our interest, but we need to look out for the interest of the other person. We need to seek to understand how the other person is looking at this situation. We need to see their point of view. I don't know if Stephen Covey, who wrote the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, was looking at this Bible passage in Philippians 2 when he gave his, one of his habits. But it sure seems so. The habit is this. Seek first to understand before you seek to be understood. Now, if you want to have better relationships with friends and family, with people you live with and neighbors, here's a huge principle, folks. Seek first to understand before you seek to be understood. Paul says, look to the needs of the other person. Understand the needs of the other person. Now, in the context, if you're in Philippians 2, Paul has made a huge appeal in verse 1. Verse 2, he's calling out to Philippians, Brethren, I want you, I beg you to get along with one another. And in verse 3, he gives two of the major reasons why people don't get along. Philippians 2, 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Now, if you're in your Bibles, if you're paying attention to me this morning, I just revealed some. I just revealed the two twins, the twins of turmoil, the twins of strife. Most, almost all of your problems that you deal with people will come back to Philippians 2 3. Selfish ambition. It's where a person is going to take on the mindset of a politician. Paul, living in the Roman world, there's the Senate, there's the politicians. He goes to that world and he draws a word out of it to display how people don't get along. Selfish ambition is where a person 
begins to promote himself, listen to me, by putting down another person. We're in a presidential election year. There's a campaign going on right now for who's going to be the Republican candidate, who's going to be the Democratic candidate. And as they campaign, here's what happens occasionally, and it will happen more as we get into 2008. There will be a politician who will begin to speak not about what they're going to do, but what the other person can't do, what they are not. They will begin to point out all their weaknesses, and they will begin to point out things that are wrong with them. They don't talk about what they can do. They talk about what the other person isn't. They begin to do what's called dirty politics. And some of you right now, here's why you have problems with your relationships. You seek to push yourself up by pushing another person down. You're always looking for the trash in their life and seeking to point it out. Then there's the other word, conceit. Paul went to the temple to get this word. Not the Jewish temple, but to the temples of the false gods, the idols. And he chooses this word to show how a person worships themselves. It's idol worship, conceit, idol worship. One who is in love with themselves. They put themselves on a pedestal. They worship themselves. Their thought is the world revolves around them. This morning, some of you are pushing yourself up. You're promoting yourself. You walk around with arrogance. You walk around with pride. You have the thought, I am better than you. Worship me. Now, here's what happens with pride. Because the root of selfish ambition and conceit is pride. Capture this verse, folks, because I'm going to reveal where a lot of your problems are coming from. Proverbs 13.10 says, By pride comes nothing but strife. Say, I was wondering what's going on in my room. Why is there this tension? Why are these problems? Because pride is in your room. Someone is displaying pride. Someone is not willing to humble themselves. The rest of verse 3. Paul says, humble yourself and then look to the interest of the other person. I've used this illustration before. If you've heard me, indulge me as I take a moment to share with the rest who haven't. Two sisters one day came into a kitchen they, they both wanted an orange. When they arrived, they realized there was only one orange left. Two sisters wanting one orange, they immediately get into a fight over the orange. I was here first. No, I was here first. I'm older. I'm younger. Give me the orange. Give me the orange. I've got to have the orange. It's my orange. I want the orange. Give me the orange. They're in a fight over one orange. Somebody give me a solution. Coach, cut it in half. I mean, isn't that the easiest solution? Two sisters wanting one orange, cut the orange in half. Okay, we cut the orange in half. Now I have each sister with half an orange. As they walk away, because I didn't want to make a mess, I did a little work on it. One sister, she walks away with her orange. She peels off the orange peeling. 
she takes the orange peeling and throws it in the trash can and she begins to eat her orange because that's what she wanted. The other sister, as she walked away, she peeled off the orange peeling, but she threw the orange away because she wanted the orange peeling. Two sisters, two sisters walked into a room, both wanting an orange. Simple solution, compromise, cut it in half. They walk away with half the peeling, half the orange. But if they had taken just a moment to ask a question, a simple question, why do you need the orange? One sister would have said, I want to eat the orange. And she would have got a whole orange. The other sister would have said, I just want the peeling. And she would have got all the peeling. Now this morning, some of you need to come to grips with the fact that you could have a whole lot more peace in your life if you'd seek to understand where the other person is coming from. Matter of fact, there's a verse, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27. Look at this verse on the screen. He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. We don't have strife. We have understanding. We don't have conflict. We have peace. Because someone took the time to ask a question. Why? Why do you want that? Why do you need that? Simply asking a question that helps you have understanding where the other person is coming from. You want peace in a relationship? Philippians 2, 4. Look to the need of the other person. Look to their need. Understanding, principle one. Principle two, take it up. Take it up. Folks, every one of us are going to have moments where someone is going to do something to hurt us, to offend us. Sometimes it will be done through insensitivity. They just are insensitive. They were not thinking. Sometimes they do it intentionally. I'll admit, I aggravated my sisters. It was intentional. I planned it. Sometimes, though, I do things in which I hurt people, and I totally did it out of ignorance. I didn't have any idea that I hurt my wife. I had no idea that I did something that hurt Johnny. Jesus comes along, and he gives some principles. If you've got your Bibles, go here, Matthew 18. Jesus says, if your brother offends you, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Do you see the verse on the screen? If you've got your Bible, look at it in your Bible. If you don't have your Bible, look at the screen. If your brother sins against you, 
Go to your brother. Now, in my Bible, and I would encourage you, in your Bible, you write the words, take it up. But I'm not sure you're really getting the principle. I'm going to read this verse again in a different version, New American Standard. Because I need to get something across to you this morning about how to have peace in relationships. Here's what the New American Standard says. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. Don't miss that word, folks. You see, some of you are creating problems by how you're responding to someone else's problem that they have toward you, that they're causing with you. You're now the problem because you're not responding correctly. Take it up. Take it to that person and tell them what they're doing that offends you. You have no business taking what someone has done to you and telling all of your friends, all of your doormates, all of your family members when you have not gone to the person and said, I need to talk to you a moment. Are you eating all my peanut butter? you got to go to the person. Take it up in private. Now, I know that I've hit a nerve because some of you this very morning have had situations where I don't understand why they didn't come to me about this first. And your name is now being tarnished because they didn't come to you where you could have cleared it up and it wasn't intentional. It was just a simple misunderstanding. Take it up. Dwayne, um, I have taken it up. I went to them. Okay, go to the next verse, verse 16. Verse 16 says, having taken it up to the person, if they don't listen, take it up to an authority. And in liberty setting, that means you take it to your prayer leader, or you take it to your spiritual life director, or you take it to your RA, or you take it to your RD, or you take it to a campus pastor, or you, you take it to the care office, you take it to the conduct office. But you have people that you can go up to and say, listen, I've been talking to this person. It could be a person you work with. It could be a friend. It could be a family member. You say, listen, I've been talking to them. I can't seem to get through. Could you help me? But you always start with the person in private. Take it up. Principle one, understand. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. Principle two, take it up if they offend you. Take it up with them in private. Principle three, forgive. Ladies and gentlemen, there's not one in this room that is perfect. Not one in this room that will not do something that's going to hurt somebody. And if you're going to live on this earth and enjoy any peace, you've got to learn how to forgive. You've got to learn how to forgive. And when it comes to forgiveness, I I want to challenge you in this area of forgiveness with a couple of verses that you probably haven't looked at before. In your Bibles, go to Proverbs 17 and look at verse 9. Proverbs 17, verse 9. He who covers a transgression seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates friends. 
Now, the last part of that verse is just taking us back to why we have to take it up. Some of you are ruining friendships because you're telling other people the problems you're having with your friend. Don't be telling other people. But now look at this verse. It says, he who covers. It does not say covers up. I am not calling for you to take what someone's doing to you that's hurting you to just sweep it under the rug, to do all that stuff. That you cover it up so, well, it's no big deal. No, it is a deal. It has to be dealt with. But here's what Solomon says. Cover it. The idea is what Christ does with your sin. When he puts the blood over it, he covers it where he doesn't remember it anymore. And the motivation for covering it? Love. You see, ultimately, if we're going to live out the characteristics of a champion, we've got to live out love. And love does not keep a record of that which is wrong. Let me tie it in again to the message. Proverbs 10 verse 12 says this. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin. And this morning, you're going to have to decide to forgive and forget. But it's not just to cover. I want to challenge you with another verse. Proverbs 19.11. Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Proverbs 19.11. You want a you Carson translation on the last part? Don't make mountains out of molehills. People are going to offend you. People are going to irritate you. People are going to do things that you just think are stupid and dumb. You're not going to understand why. You've got to decide if you're going to make an issue out of this. In Proverbs 19.11, Solomon says... This is the glory of a man. He, he overlooks it. He just, it's not worth fighting about. Now, there are some things that you've got to deal with. There are times when an insult has been done, a hurt has taken place, and you've got to step in. And at that moment, the person has got to own up to it, and they've got to apologize. And then you've got to forgive. You say, Dwayne, what's the standard on forgiveness? Here's the one I use. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted. Forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. Now I use this statement. And I want you to hear me closely. Forgiveness is the glue that holds all relationships together. Forgiveness. There are times when I have done something that has hurt my wife. We'll be married 20 years come June. And there are times where I have done things that I should not have done, and I've had to go to her and then say to her in humility, I was wrong. Now the ball's in her court and she has to forgive me. 
And in 20 years of marriage, there have been times when my wife has done things that have irritated me, hurt me. She made bad decisions. And she's had to come to me and she says, I just want to say to you, I blew that one. I was wrong. Shouldn't have said that. I was out of line. I apologize. And at that moment, I've got to extend forgiveness to her or else the relationship doesn't continue. There have been times when Johnny has done things to me that has hurt me, and he has had to come to me and he said, Dwayne, I just want to tell you something. I'm sorry. We're brothers. We work together. I'm sorry. And at that moment, I have to extend to him forgiveness. And there have been times, and he's sitting right there, that I've walked in his office and I've said, Johnny, I just want you to know something. Bad decision on my part. Wrong attitude. Did the wrong thing. I hurt you. I apologize. And at that moment, Johnny has to say, Dwayne, I forgive you. The reason we're friends and the reason we work together, the reason I'm married and my marriage works is because we know how to apologize and we know how to forgive. And you're going to have to learn how to own up to the wrongs. When someone calls you on the carpet and says, you hurt me, you've got to apologize, then you've got to turn right around. If someone has apologized, you've got to forgive. Now, I want you to know as we wrap up this morning, God values relationships. God, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, if you come to church getting ready to give your offering and you remember, I got a problem with a brother, he says, stop right there. Go back to the brother and get it right before you continue in the worship service. God values relationships. And this morning, some of you are going to have to walk out of here and you're going to have to go see a roommate, a dorm mate, a classmate, a friend, call a family member and say, we got to talk. I need to know where you're coming from. I'm not understanding why, why you do what you're doing. I need to understand. It may be you've got to go and say, you don't understand, but eating my peanut butter irritates me. Take it up. And then there's times where you're going to have to step in and say, listen, I know this is something that's happening between us, but I just want you to know I forgive. I forgive. I cover. I'm going to even overlook. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you one more thing. I'm going to tell you what keeps relationships in peace. What keeps relationships in peace is when you get in on your knees. You get in on your knees. Because here's what I know. It's hard to kick somebody when you're on your knees. And if you're praying for your roommate and your dorm mate and your friend and your family member, you're going to have a hard time being at war with them. You're going to find yourself being at peace with them. Father, I pray that you will help our students right now to apply this message to their lives. May we pursue peace with one another. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.